Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk As Your podcast with your host Sam. And Alan. Hello Alan, how are you? I'm not too bad, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, obviously we've had quite a busy week in the world of Microsoft. Um, how's how's work and life been for you? Yeah, it's been, not been too bad. Busy uh, doing some logic apps. Oh yeah. Yeah. Going to your uh, area of expertise. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't really like this. My uh, my job <laughs> security is on the line here. It's it is quite incredible um, seeing you build a um, quite a meaty logic app um, that's being used in production and how um, how you've gone through the process of doing that. And um, you know, I think we can pretty much say that it's not a trivial um, process that you've built, is it? It's, it's quite quite no. involved. Yeah, um, definitely. And um, it's also it's 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 also really good because of the uh, the business value uh, for your for your customer. You know, uh, it really does show that you can uh, you can build without needing a developer. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's 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 true, isn't it? It's just it's the proof the proofs in the pudding. You know, adding business value with without any development. You know, yeah. Well, I, I say I no development. I... It is still you know building flows and logic, right? Yeah, it is still low code. So you know yeah. you're safe. So, yeah, so to some level. <laughs> well, I I have a I have an announcement to make. Um, yeah, do you, do you know what day it is today? Uh, Thursday. Yeah, it is Thursday. But do you know the significance of this Thursday? Not off the top of my head. No. It's International Podcast Day. Ah, cool. <laughs> I didn't know that until this afternoon when I looked on LinkedIn and there were people talking about it. <laughs> so we are inadvertently, we were supposed to record this last night and now we're recording it today. Um, so yeah, uh, welcome everyone to International Podcast Day. Support your podcast creators. <laughs> uh, the, the irony is it's not even Thursday, it's Wednesday, but hey. Oh, is it? <laughs> exactly. That goes to show how my week's going this week. Anyway, um, right. So, uh, what what are we going to talk about um, this this week, Al? So, with Ignite being last week, um, I guess we're going to be talk, doing some updates on some of the things that we're interested in because there was loads, that, you know, <laughs> quite a few things that came out. So, yeah, uh, for everybody listening, um, uh, yeah, uh, Ignite was uh, last week, um, and the. Uh, and I've I've written this in the show notes, but it's it, it still boggles my mind how much is actually released, you know. And con considering the world that we live in at the moment, you you know, one might think that you know Microsoft are you know you know, and a lot of not just Microsoft, but a lot of companies are scaling back what they're building, you know, and their you know their delivery has been impacted. But from what I can see. Um, Microsoft is firing on all cylinders, right? You know, the amount of updates that we've had and, and not just little updates, like substantial, you know, product and feature releases. Yeah, absolutely. There's, yeah, they just kept going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, for everyone listening, um, you can find a link to the book of news um, in the in the podcast show notes. Um, the book of news is something that they do and they just list out every single change that's happened. And it's really good because it's all categorized um, and it's actually translated as well. So you can jump in, look for all of the updates that are specific to your area without having to watch hundreds of hours worth of video, if that's not what you're, you're into. 
Um, okay, so yeah, so and as uh, as Al said, we're going to just go through. This is just going to be all about Ignite, all about um, the news and the new updates. So there's not really going to be any uh, meaty subjects in here. We're just going to review because there is so much to talk about. Um, if we don't talk about it in one episode, we're going to be talking about it at the end of all of our episodes for about 15 episodes, aren't we? So uh, yeah, until the yeah. next Ignite. Yeah, until the next Ignite. Or well, what's the next one? Is it Inspire the next one, I suppose? Or is it... Is it build? Uh, it's probably build now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, yeah, I wouldn't doubt if Al's completely, you know, all over build next time. Only joking, Al, you're not a developer yet. Anyway, right, let's talk about... Um, so, what we're going to do is we're going to first talk about Azure News, uh, then we're going to talk about some 365 and some security and compliance. I know that this podcast is the Azure podcast, but it's kind of melting into anything Microsoft at the moment, isn't it, Al? So, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about all, all three. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I've got to talk about something, haven't I? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, I'll start off with the first one. Uh, so uh, the Microsoft Bot Framework, um, we've had that for uh, a long time now. It's it's quite a seasoned product. It's been through a, a number of revisions, um, and it gets, you know, all the time it's getting better and better. Um, Microsoft have released a... Um, a new open source tool for um, building bots um, visually. Um, it's you can use it inside of the um, Virtual Assistant Solution Accelerator. Um, so I believe this is a um, a plugin for. Let me just um, find the link. Sorry, I'm not very prepared with this one. I had my notes. Um, one second. I have had a brief look at this um, a couple of months ago. I think when it was in preview, it seems quite is good. Is it is is it just a is it just a set of um, like um, like an accelerator bundle, like a, a a package that they give you to get started with building bots? Is that what it is? It's not because it says that it's an open source tool, but the um, the the. Yeah, the documentation so, goes nowhere actually. So the view that I had of it was that it was, you know, it was a tool that you could launch and it would generate the the code behind the bot. So you basically um, build your conversation in that um, that tool, and then you could um, send it or um, deploy it directly up to the the Azure service from that tool as well. Oh, got it. Okay, so it's a desktop application. Got it. So it's like a visual um, bot uh, bot builder. So kind of like um, the Logic Apps and the Flow um, experience that we have um, on the web and also now in Visual Studio Code, I suppose I should say. Um, so yeah, so exactly like you've just said there, you can visually build your bot's interactions and the logic that it has inside that bot um, without having to do code, which is, again, quite scary for me. So yeah, um, great job. Great job, Microsoft. Um, that um, GitHub repository is very popular. Three hundred and fifty-one issues at the moment, so I'm guessing they're getting a lot of um, a lot of new users. <clears throat> Sorry, on onto that. Um, we've had a couple of uh, a sort of uh, a big update to Azure Cache for Redis. So um, Redis, if you don't know, it's an in-memory key-value store. Um, Microsoft have had a managed service um, that can host Redis for you. Now they have two extra tiers. They already had three. 
So we've got five now tiers. Um, and this is the Enterprise and Enterprise Flash tiers. And essentially, these are the same Redis clusters that we had before at Premium, but they include more Redis-specific um, functionality. So you get Redis time series um, for time series data. So I imagine that's for financial modeling and IoT. Um, Redis search, Redis bloom, and also on the Enterprise Flash version, you have Redis on Flash. Now, I've never heard of Redis on Flash, but I assume from its name, it's even though Redis is in memory anyway, so I don't really understand. But the the kind of nuts thing for me on this is, is at the bottom of the, the pricing comparison table, so you've got basic, standard, and premium, right? So premium can go up to 40,000 client connections, which is a little bit mental anyway in itself. But enterprise and enterprise flash just have dashes in the maximum number of connections. Okay. So it's kind of like, I don't know whether to take that as somebody hasn't filled out this table yet, or it's unlimited connections, which seems a bit mental to me. Um, and yeah, so an enterprise flash can go up to 1.5 terabytes of memory as well, which is... Wow. Could you, man <laughs> could you imagine the amount of data you can put in 1.5 terabytes of memory? So yeah, very... Uh, thing and also the um, SLA and availability goes from single digit nines up to double digit nines as well. So yeah, so basically a lot more, um, a lot more capacity um, and you know uh, resilience there. Um, my last, well, my third item, and this is probably the one that affects me the most, and I'm most excited about um, Cosmos DB. Now, Cosmos DB is a um, uh, insanely fast NoSQL database um, solution. So, um, Alan, I don't if you know if you're aware of what a NoSQL database is, but instead of having a structured database with columns, you can essentially put any object into your your data store that you've got or your collection. So you can say. You know, and, and generally we would store like JSON, um, so um, JavaScript objects inside of our NoSQL stores. Okay. Um, and uh, but what it allows, well, the great thing is, is that every single, as long as you have like a common key between all of the items, you still get good performance. But you can have any schema. So it's a, you know, for um, the way that we've built software for, for sort of forever with relational databases. Um, it's sort of been thrown out the window and NoSQL. So it, it can, in some respects, because it doesn't have the constraints of building a, like a defined schema, um, you can, it's, it's a lot more flexible in how you store and retrieve data. Um, and it can, it can make your sort of your database layer inside of your application a lot more simplistic, but it doesn't, doesn't work well for everything, but when you've got an application for it, NoSQL can can help some of your pains of relational database systems. Anyway, so a Cosmos DB can um, you create a collection and it can scale, you know, across the world, right? It's it's this geo, you know, it's it's this geo redundant and the throughput is is insane and it's yeah, it's absolutely mental. Um, but the the sort of the not the restriction for me, but the, one of the sort of hurdles is it's quite expensive to, to to use it right so 
Um, uh, d- don't quote me on these numbers, but when I looked at it, it was like $25 per month per collection. And if you imagine, you know, if you've got Azure table storage, you can just add a new table of data, can't you, for free. And then you pay like a storage price, don't you? So imagine yeah. imagine if you had like 20 tables of data, you would have to, you know, pay for each one of those collections because what Azure is doing is it's provisioning throughput for you on a, you know, uh, either a single region or a multi-region availability. So they're, they're sort of guaranteeing your speed and, you know, and the... Um, and the SLA is, you know, three digits of nine. So it's 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 like a proper, proper enterprise, no SQL solution. Anyway, that is Cosmos DB. But the big change for me is now they are doing a, a serverless um, consumption-based billing model. So you can get started for nothing and you then pay for every single time you you know, run a transaction through it or, you know, so I'll give you an example for a hundred thousand, a million serverless request units. Um, you only pay 28 cents, right? So, okay. so whatever an RU is, I'm guessing an RU is like a read or a write, you know, um, and you might be able to pull, you know, multiple records back in one RU, I assume. It's every time you hit it, I'm guessing. Um, and so, you know, so this, what this means is that if you're, say, a startup, you can, you can deploy uh, Cosmos DB now and pay nothing from when you start. And then, yes, you may pay more for an RU than you would if you provisioned it. But, you know, if you're a smaller company or a startup, you don't know what your, you know, um, your traffic's going to be. You don't know how much demand is going to, to be on it. But you want it to be scalable, right? So you don't want to, you would, pre- I would prefer to use a solution like this because it's, you know, it can be across multiple regions. It's, it's, it's highly redundant. It's highly available. Um yeah, so, so so they've made it serverless, which is great. And I think it's this um, Microsoft is going through this. You know, we've got serverless SQL now, which I don't really understand. It's a bit like voodoo magic to me. I don't really understand how that works. But we've got serverless SQL now. We've got serverless Cosmos DB. So it's really just destroying these barriers to entry, you know, that people might have to use these you know, amazing Microsoft technologies, which I think is, is awesome. And I'm really excited for, for serverless um, Cosmos DB. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So thanks very much, Microsoft, you know, for not, you know, charging us more than, well, than I, I assume that, you know, if I think, you know, I don't mean this in a big headed way, but if I'm struggling with the cost of cosmos db for my clients i assume a lot of other people are also having those issues as well which is why serverless is popping up um so yeah i'm going to just continue on with the azure news um so in september um so they're going to add two more availability um zones um you know in existing regions so we're going to get canada central and australia east as well um, and that takes the total number um, of availability zone enabled regions to 14. So I assume this means that in Canada at the moment and in Australia, there is not, you know, they're not availability zone enabled regions at the moment. So that's going to be really good for people that host, obviously, in those countries. 
Um, and we've also had big update um, for .NET. So um, .NET, because uh, .NET, .NET, .NET has been going through this uh, this change in its... Um, what's the best way to describe it? It's going through an evolution, .NET, um, because we had the old, well, the older .NET framework that only ran on Windows. Then uh, Microsoft created .NET Core, which ran everywhere. And then everyone was like, well, how do I create apps? You know, some people were still doing using .NET Framework. Some people using .NET Core. Um, .NET Core doesn't include everything that .NET Framework has. So it was all a bit, um, I don't want to criticize anybody, but it's a bit disjointed, right? Not everybody knew what they should be writing in, what the benefits, you know, and it was, it was getting kind of confusing. So anyway, the new version of .NET is going to be called .NET 5. Ooh. Didn't see that coming. .NET 4. Well, .NET Framework 4, and then we had ASP.NET Core, well, we had .NET Core 1, 2, 3, 3.1, 3.2. Like, so anyway, let's just, <laughs> let's just you, you don't need to know anything else. You just need to know that the new version is .NET 5. Um, it's now at release candidate stage, and it's going to be a no, a generally available on November the 10th. So from that point forward, we're all just going to be on .NET 5 except for everybody in the enterprise because they'll have to deal with legacy apps. So they'll still be on .NET 3 forever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. I'm sure there's people listening that know that pain. Um, so yeah, so it's, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good update because it's going to make things a lot clearer. You know, you know that from building function apps, right? It's, it can be quite confusing, you know, the different environments and making sure that everything is, you know, is, um, is using the right versions and it's, yeah. it's it the, the 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 naming is in my opinion confusing you know it's not it's not as simplistic as it could be well we've had conversations haven't we about briefly and at, at high level for for me to understand about the <laughs> don't say it like that <laughs> <laughs> to um talking about the core because i didn't realize there was a core at, at one point so yeah yeah i mean it's it's just um yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I think it's it's just good. It just shows that they've understood that 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 problem is there, and they're bringing it all into one like cohesive and consistent brand. You know, so it's gonna be it's gonna make things a lot lot more simplistic. Um, okay, the last one I've got, I need to bring up my notes for. But do you want to just jump ahead and um, give us some? Oh, actually, I've got another. No, wait, I've got another page. Ignore yeah. that. I've got another page. <laughs> Right, so sorry, I've got three pages of Azure news because there's so much. Um, Backup Center, Alan. Have you had a look at Backup Center yet? No, not yet. So Backup Center is like a backup center for your backups. It's like backups for your backups for your backups. So the the i the idea of Backup Center is to is to be able to back up <laughs> back up your backups across um like um across uh, even across tenants right so it's like one one step removed again so if you imagine a large large organization they may have multiple subscriptions multiple obviously like maybe potentially hundreds of resource groups hundreds of subscriptions um you know, maybe even multiple tenants, you know, for different 
you know um if you imagine different regions might be on their own separate tenant potentially i don't i don't know you know everybody has a different you know everybody yep, has or a different... um mergers and acquisitions and things like that yeah exactly and so um what you can do is you can pull together all of your backups into one well backup center as they're calling it so you've got one cohesive view about what um is going on um across the whole organization and what what i find quite interesting as well is it currently supports um azure virtual machines obviously um sql inside of virtual machines um azure database for post sql uh, postgres um post sql servers and azure files so it's pulling together all of these different backup you know um because we've we've currently got backups anyway haven't we um you know so it's it's pulling together all of these different backups into one uh one single place which is yeah really good um from from my perspective um i i don't really have any customers that are that big but i can imagine that you know backup orchestration in the cloud is 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 not a simplistic thing when you've got maybe hundreds or thousands of servers um and the structures that they must be behind. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's definitely going to help uh, those uh, server admins out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my, my, my brethren. Well, not my brethren, more your brethren. Well, not your <laughs> brethren from what you used to do, but yeah, um, definitely. Um, so yeah, and the last one that I've got um, is um, Azure Resource Mover. So that allows you to basically port... Um, um, elements from Azure between regions um, more easily. So if you imagine at the moment, if you want to move, oh, my Teams has restarted. Um, I assume that at the moment, if you want to move, you know, a virtual machine between regions, that isn't very simplistic um, unless you can do a cross-region backup and restore. And when I say not simplistic, I mean from a Microsoft standpoint and it's tooling right you know because how would you go about doing that now alan if you had a virtual machine and you wanted to move it to a new region i say you wanted to move it from the uk to the us what would you do uh i expect it'd probably be back back it up and then uh restore it i expect yeah but i'm guessing but you can only do that in your local region so can't you yeah I, th I don't think you can go multi like i don't think you can go across the pond i don't think Anyway, yeah. you know, irrelevant. But this, this, this basically allows you to um, to plan and monitor. Um, you know, you moving your resources um, across regions. So, um, again, quite a. Uh, so the list of supported uh, resources are VMs and their disks, um, NICs, um, availability sets, um, virtual networks, public IP addresses. Now that's cool because if you've got a specific like ipv4 address that you've got um you can move it to a different region that's really cool um network security groups i assume network security groups are quite easy anyway because they're quite easily scriptable i would assume um internal and public uh load balancers and azure sql databases and elastic pools so that is that's epic because if you imagine if you had a um, like i've got a customer with a sql elastic pool um, and you wanted to move the region. I'm not sure that would that would very scare me. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to. I'm sure this tool works perfectly, but I I wouldn't 
yeah, I wouldn't be looking forward to doing that migration. So if there is a um, if there is a tool that's supported by Microsoft to do that, um, and just to make it abundantly clear, it's currently in public preview. So um, yeah, don't use it in production just yet, but definitely cool to see that those that that, that feature is coming, which is great. Yeah, it's good. I think I think you could move some things across. Well, it's definitely subscriptions at least. I don't know about regions, like you said, but um, yeah. I think there's definitely a bigger list of um, services that could could be moved now. Yeah, definitely, and definitely in a more structured way, right? Like they're actually saying we actually support you moving these SQL, you know, databases across region, and that isn't, you know, that's not. Um, you know, because, yeah, so it says here, move resources between availability zones in the same region. And I think, yeah, because you can do that. No, you can't go. Because UK South and, and UK West are the same region, right? The Correct. region is UK. So we've been able to do that in the same region, but we haven't been able to go between regions. I think that's what it is, isn't it? That's like the... um that's the backups that you get. You get, you can say, I want to have, you know, I want to enable, you know, but I suppose it is geo redundant. So I don't know if you can, I can't remember the exact setting. It's been a while since I've set up a, like a, um, I mean, for SQL, you could probably, uh, from what I can remember about it is that you could obviously replicate that database to another SQL server, that could be in a different region, but, that synchronization yeah. is or if you're going to move it that way you know if you've got terabytes petabytes of data it's going to take ages well it'll be interesting i need to go and have a play with this because it'd be good if it can support for sql databases if it can uh, support like an incremental move so you do a migration one day and you just do the difference on the day that you go live um that would be that would be really awesome but i don't know if this is you know, uh, cut all connections to the SQL database, migrate it, migrate its IP address or, or, or whatever, and then, you know, mm. fire up your application back on it. I don't know. I haven't actually looked. Um, I haven't actually looked into it anymore. Let's... Um... So yeah, well maybe maybe if um if I get to use it in in you know production, um we'll do a we'll do an episode on it. Um that's pretty much all my Azure news. I mean there is loads more Azure news out there. Um this isn't there's so much stuff and I I apologize if there's anybody from Microsoft listening, you're probably not, but from any of the product teams that have spent the last <laughs> probably 18 months building all this stuff and I've completely glossed over um, it, but it is just a high level walkthrough of the the bits that I thought were the most important to me. Um, yeah. Anything from that, Alan, that you want to comment on or? No, some of it goes over my head to be honest, but yeah. But yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> I suppose, I suppose let's move on to three, six, five now. Um, yeah. Do you want to take us through three, six, five? Yeah. So, this is probably more for the IT pros out there than the productivity side of things. Um, there is, like Sam said, there is tons of stuff that's come out and trying to choose some of it. I mean, you know, if I ever, this is this wasn't what I was going to talk about, but just quickly that they've brought out, you know, Cortana voice assistance has come out quite a lot across 365, you know, reading your emails, 
um, the daily briefing. Thanks, to, thanks Cortana. Yeah, <laughs> the daily briefing to um, tell you that you got a, a a task to do and things like that. Is is daily briefing out to everybody now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah, generally available. It's, it's GA now. Okay. For yeah, the M three six five enterprise users, at least. Okay. Um, yeah. but yeah, they've brought out Quintana for uh, playing your email uh, emails, and there's a new um, chatbot based app for Windows ten from the look of it. Okay. Cool. Um. So yeah. Um. So the stuff I'm going to talk about is Microsoft Tunnel. Have you heard of that, Sam? Yet? No, but I'm guessing you're going to tell me about it. We'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I hope so. Um, I hope so. <laughs> so. So on mobile devices, I'm talking about Android and iOS. Um, yeah. There are various... Um, sometimes you have applications that need internal access to file servers you know, because you're partway through your cloud migration or you can't you know, leave that data. kind of goes on to our previous cloud versus on-premise conversation. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so sometimes you need a VPN, and there are VPN providers out there. Um, you know, Checkpoint, Cisco, F5, etc. There's some very, you know, various other ones, um, enterprise. But Microsoft have brought in one their own called Microsoft Tunnel. So this is all included in your Microsoft Endpoint Manager and all your Intune licenses. So you can basically VPN your Android and iOS device to um, on-premise applications. Well, included in your licensing, not technically free. What, what about what about bandwidth? In like data what? transfer, you don't pay for that. No, because in in essence, I'm guessing I've not lo- I've not looked fully into it. There's going to be a on premise server that okay, basically it. It, okay, it connects right. to. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. But yeah, no, you don't pay for any any um, bandwidth or anything like that, and nice. that's currently public preview. Excellent. Um, so sticking with Endpoint Manager, um, before beforehand you couldn't really manage uh, VDIs or the Windows Virtual Desktop um, estate with in with Intune or Endpoint Manager now, um, and that's now become public preview. So now you can you know, manage that VDI estate with Intune and make you know, keep it all up to date, etc. Wow, that's cool. So how do people manage that before manually? Yeah, well, I think it would have been like um, Config Manager or SCCM um, okay. or now called Microsoft Endpoint Config Manager now. Um, oh, my God, the names. I know. Names. Yeah, you wait yeah. till later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a good, that's a big step. It only is for hybrid joined devices still. So it's not for Azure AD joined only. Um, and I think that's mainly because, I mean, I don't think it came out or um, it might be in the pipeline, but... Um, Windows Virtual Desktop currently doesn't support Azure AD joined only management yet, but I'm sure it's going to come. Okay. Um, so once that comes, then it will be you know you can you don't have to have a you know AD controller to manage you know to for them to um, be managed with. Okay. Um, so then, so the last bit in the Office 365 news is around um, Mac OS. Oh. <gasps> Mac? Yeah. What? What, you, what yeah, are you not doing Windows. talking about Mac on an Azure uh, podcast? What, what What sort of world do we live in? Actually, if you said that at the start of 2020, you might say something completely different. But yes, yeah, go on with your your yeah your Mac speak. 
So they're bringing in a new uh, first-class management experience for the Mac OS. So it's it's kind of bringing it, it I think it's starting to bring it in line with um, some of the capability you have in Windows. So it's bringing um, a new enrollment experience and seamless single sign-on across okay. their apps. Good, good, so, good. Yeah, and that's... If I had a I think... pound for every time I had to <laughs> enroll a device and then log into... To be fair, the you know the Office apps aren't bad, but it's it's when you've got to go... You've got to go and log into Office, you know, let's say Word or, you know, Outlook or something like that. And then, oh no, let's say you open Word first. You do Word first and then Word, Excel, PowerPoint, they're all good. Yeah. Then you open Outlook and it's like, oh, I've got a mailbox. Do you want to add it? And you're like, yeah, of course I do. I just want to open Outlook and get access to my mail. And then it's like, okay, that's done. And then you open Teams and it's like, okay, yeah, you got to log into Teams. And then it's like, oh, I've got to do OneDrive now. And it's just like, it's like... I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, but there's like four logins that you've got to do, you know, plus you've already done company portal, right? So you've already gone through, you know, you've, you've logged in with your federated Apple ID. You've logged into a new company portal. You've <laughs> logged into word, you've logged into outlook, then you log into teams, then you log into out, uh, OneDrive, And then you're like, ah, my six Microsoft logins to get me, to get my machine up and running. So I assume that's what they're talking about here. They're going to align all that authentication and make it seamless. Yeah, and I th it might be down to, um, you know, the, the underlying operating system giving it the capability as well. So okay. it's yeah. not, not necessarily always Microsoft. No, no, uh, I, no, I, no, I'm not. And I, you know, yeah, I, I, I say that, you know, I, I'm just being obtuse, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I'm only... You know, I, I'm I'm only I'm only messing, but yeah, I think I but I think it is also uh, yeah good to point that out because there is a lot that Intune can't do unless the machine is supervised, right? You know, and that is down to and I believe that's down to an Apple macOS restriction in terms of getting complete control of that device, right? So so it's not just yeah, it's not just it's not just Microsoft. Yeah, I, th I think it's probably uh, probably tying in with um, the new version of macOS coming out. I expect I expect some new APIs yeah. and well, or I, features. I, I saw that there's going to be a new version of Outlook, so I assume that new version of Outlook, you know, might be better tied in and, yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, they are giving that a refresh. There's something else on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the sort of brief or few things from three six five. Again, there was loads on there but i've one i've not had a chance to have a look at it because i've really been st stuck into the security and yep. compliance side of things no that's cool so yeah oh, let's yeah. move on if you got your you're not looking at the other bit that you had no i'm just gonna leave it i can't okay. i can't find the documentation for it okay so let's move on to security and compliance so the, the one big thing is that Microsoft have decided to uh, bring some new features in for their detect and response, um, and they've called it now an XDR, which is Extended detect, uh, Detection and Response. Um, so this is moving Microsoft Defender, and now they have rebranded all of their, most majority of their security products around um, 365 and Azure. Oh, oh so... So it's called the XDR. So that but... yeah, the, the solution is so their solution is an ex, they have an extended detect and response XDR 
um, solution, but the whole they've rebranded everything under Microsoft Defender. Okay. So right, okay. so it's split in. So it's initially it, there's two sort of sides. Wait, wait, wait. Mi- they've renamed ATP to Microsoft Defender for identity. Okay, got it. Okay, right. Yeah. So they've yeah. so they so they've got Defender and all the different categories of product, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. So they've got Microsoft 365 Defender, and I'll talk about all the products underneath that. Okay. And they've got Azure <laughs> Defender, which in essence is the security center. Is now moving. It's now being called Azure Defender. So will that say Microsoft Defender for Azure? Is that what it's called? Or is it called something? No, it's just called Azure Defender, that one. Oh, my God. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah go so, on. So, so, but wait, wait, wait. I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the list. I can see it here right in front of me. But the Office 365 one is called Microsoft Defender for Office 365. No, there's... Yes. So they've called... They've got Microsoft 365 <laughs> Defender, which includes all of the sub-products... So things like Office 365 ATP is now being called Microsoft Defender for 365. That's where that's there. Um, Microsoft Defender ATP, Advanced Threat Protection, is now being called Microsoft Defender for Endpoints because now they're covering Android and iOS, or will be. Yeah. Um, Azure ATP, Advanced Threat Protection, which... Sounded like it did stuff in Azure, but actually it was looking at on-prem, on-premise AD user behavior. <laughs> so it could could have done with a rebrand anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it is it's it's just this whole slide um, that we're looking at is just all about naming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, bit. go on. But, yeah, um, yeah. So they've called that Microsoft Defender for identity, which does make more sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's so, they've kind of done a rebrand on that, and there are, there are other capabilities in between those, right? So so basically, in essence, like you say, all of these different services that we had before are all being rebranded under the Microsoft Defender, like you know, brand inside of Microsoft. You know, so yeah. um, so it's you know, everything is Defender. And it's just different products for different areas of the ecosystem. Yeah. So the if we talk about the Azure side of things, so let's move to Azure Defender. Um, they're talking about the enhancements they've that have come out are um, protecting SQL database and virtual machines anywhere. Nice. I like that. Um, so that's Azure Arc support. Yeah. Um, so it really, I think it's just yeah, you know, it's just Azure Security Center for that part. Yeah, and, and and Azure Security Center is is insane. Like, as in, I absolutely we I think we did a we did a podcast on it. Yeah, we? we did. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's my favorite Azure product. I'm gonna say that, and I, it sounds ridiculous, right? But I actually think it is. It's just awesome for what you get for the money, and now you can have that experience outside of Azure. Is 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 exciting? Even though I'm never gonna use it, but it does sound quite exciting. Yeah. So. So that that protecting SQL database isn't is the the update is that it can now protect them on premise and yeah. in multi cloud environments. So it's any it is anywhere. So yeah. it could be another um, cloud provider. Yeah. Well, in essence, you know, just thinking about how SQL databases work 
all it's really doing is connecting to the SQL database and looking at the query logs and stuff like that. Yeah. So as long as you've got like, you know, SA ad, you know, SA admin access to the DB, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they can connect. I, I mean, obviously they might have want they might have, might have wanted to keep it before for, you know, a unique selling point of the platform. But it's great that and again, I think that's just them looking and saying, well, we know everybody can't put everything into the cloud, you know, like not every single workload makes sense um, to go into the cloud or it's not ready to go into the cloud yet. So we'll help you, even though we know you might not ever bring that workload to the cloud and you can still pay them to, man <laughs> to you know, to look at it. Right. So they're, they're winning either way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the other, the other part that's been enhanced is the uh, protection for containers. So that's with Kubernetes. Okay. And apparently it's been called Azure Defender for Kubernetes. Well, at least it's following the uh, the correct uh, the correct naming, I suppose. So it looks like it includes uh, Kubernetes level policy management, hardening and enforcement with admin admission controls. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If if have you ever used Kubernetes, or do you know much no. about it? No, I, I know what they are, the, but yeah. The 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 configuration is pretty. Uh, it's pretty involved, and I can imagine it's um, quite hard to administer and harden. You know, I, I assume that there's a lot of people. Because it's quite flexible. Um, you create your configuration. You can architect your Kubernetes cluster however you like. You know, um, like one of the one of the the points of it is like load balancing. Do you have load balancing within inside of your Kubernetes cluster, or do you do it outside of it? You know, and 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 things like that. I mean, that's not maybe something that they're going to to look at, but I can definitely see um, something looking at Kubernetes being very very powerful. For, for sure, definitely. Yeah, so the, the last thing for Azure Defender is that um, the Azure Security Center for IoT, Internet of Things, is now called Azure Defender for IoT. Oh, um, aptly named. Microsoft, well, in the last six months, um, acquired um, CyberX, which was a security company, to help okay. with uh, securing those so that's going to help now with securing those IoT devices. So all of that intellectual property just got transitioned straight into Azure, and now it's a product for us to use. Thanks very much, CyberX. Um, yeah, who knows if that actually happened, obviously. But yeah, definitely um, Azure Defender for IoT. So I assume that... Uh, okay, so it or they already had IoT. They're just rebranding it. Got it. Okay. Uh, dependent on safety... Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. So that so that company specialized in um, uh, networks with customers in sort of um, what I would classify as dangerous environments. So, you know, health, food, water, energy, transportation, yeah. national defense. So, okay. So they probably got um, duh, 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 duh. and then okay, there you go. And integration with Sentinel as well. Okay. Yeah, because I imagine that that must. Could you imagine, right? If you're building IoT stuff um, in a security setting, like if you were doing it for, 
you know, the Ministry of Defence or you were doing it for the police, you know, they must have IoT networks of, of sensors. I can, I can imagine, I, I don't know that world anymore, but I assume there's massive amounts of IoT in defence. Um, I can imagine, like, surely, you know, um, equipment is just like a boatload of IoT. So it must be yeah. interesting how they um, administer that, you know, because all of that, IoT, you know, that sensor data must be sensitive information. So it must be a bit of a um, a challenging a, a challenging problem to 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 harden, secure that, and make sure, especially if you're pushing up into Azure. So yeah, okay, yeah, I've never really thought of how you you know harden against that sort of thing, especially in those environments yeah no great yeah so going back to um it is kind of office 365 but it's just your ad um and conditional access um i talk about this quite a lot um anyway do you uh, well i i, yeah. I never knew that <laughs> <laughs> so i think i talked about one of these before anyway which was in preview and it's the insights and recommendations i think i did it on one of the the news reports last time so it gives you the insight of how you're managing or how you're your policies are working the okay. efficiency of them yep. and being able to troubleshoot them so it's, it's quite handy to see you know this policy's not being hit and this one is too much kind of thing you know is it yep. too too restrictive or not you know etc um yeah the other thing they've done is um on microsoft graph they've opened up the apis for conditional access so you can um, do conditional ac conditional access policies as code nice very good yeah yeah so you can automate the creation or the updating of okay so that's quite handy for if there's an alert an example is if there's an alert in security center or sorry sentinel of a user signing in from um or being flagged as um oh no that the, we're weird activity on the local network is probably the best okay. way to do it because there's other stuff that can protect against the other stuff. Yeah. Um, you could get it to create, uh, pop that user into a conditional access rule. Okay. Got it. So, yeah. That's yeah, really good. That's it for me. And again, there was loads of other things in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah if, 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 if anybody listening hasn't had the time to um to look at any of the videos um the 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 book of news is a really good place to to go and just read and digest all of the all of the different parts because it links you off to the correct blog posts it links you off to correct pricing pages um and it generally is really um i i didn't actually know you know admission here i didn't actually know that they did a book of news I didn't even know this until I saw it on Twitter the other day. Somebody said that they were reading through it. Um, they did it for Ignite last year as well. Um, but I don't know if they do it for Build and if they do it for Inspire. Um, but yeah, there was a PDF last year for, for 2019 um, Ignite. I know that because when I was, pre I was preparing for this podcast, um, I was reading that one to start off with and I got really <laughs> confused. And I was like, I'm sure this is like, this has been out for ages. Um, and it just confused, it absolutely confused me. So yeah. Um, so in the future, if you don't know about it, look out for these books of news because they are very, very handy. Um, yeah. So that, that's awesome. So I think that's all the news we've, we've, we've got for, for this week. Um, sorry that we didn't have 
like an actual topic um, that we, were, we, we that we talked about. Let me just fire up and give you a teaser of what we're going to talk about. Um, I can't remember what the next topic is. Can you, Alan? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, we did. We did that. We did it. We did sort of pre-plan some, didn't we? Um, we are doing. Uh, oh, next time we're doing arm templates. So, yeah, arm templates. If anybody's been ever been confused about arm templates, we're here to make you even more confused about <laughs> them now. <laughs> um, no, we're going to take you through uh, why um, arm templates are important, how they're used in Azure, um, and how they can help you to automate um, and configure um, and make your Azure environments more robust. Um, because we love infrastructure as code, don't we, Alan? Um, that is, that's, you know, it's great documentation. It's great. Um, it's a great way to deploy to deploy resources. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's that's it from me. Um, anything else you want to add, Al? Uh, just thanks for listening. And the numbers yeah. are still oh, yeah. strong, just, aren't they? Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna bring up our stats because um, now we're professional. Because on the podcasting day or whatever it's called, um, you know, international podcasting. Is there, there's a, there's an international day for everything, isn't there now? Um, yeah. So we can see that every single time that we push out a new podcast episode, our, our, you know, our listens spike, our subscribers spike. Um, and yeah, and generally our, the, um, the, uh, audience interaction and listens per episode are increasing not just in numbers of people but in velocity of how many people it's reaching so it seems like um, and we can see from the stats the episodes that you like more and the the episodes you 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 dislike without a doubt uh, just let's just talk about it now our, well, our, first, our most popular episode is our first episode, Hello World. Um, but our second one is learning and accreditations for Azure and Office 365, which is really interesting, isn't it? Because, um, yeah, it's, it's obviously an area that people want to know about. You know, it's, it's, it's it, you know, it can directly affect, you know, the, the job you get or, you know, how, you know, how certified you are, right? yeah absolutely and we i think we did i think we did that one um quite well as well yeah oh uh, yeah well well i don't think anything's quite well when it comes to the podcast but yeah it's <laughs> um it's great and and you guys are still listening and our numbers are increasing so um as we said from the start as long as people are listening and as long as um we can see the metrics growing we'll continue to do this um we we love recording the podcast it, it's it's not just, and, and as we've said before, it's not about us promoting ourselves or us promoting our companies. It's just about talking about Azure. And now we're even talking about Office 365. So we're going to have to probably like rename the podcast anyway, whatever. Um, so, you know, it's just us having a chat. You guys can listen along. Um, and it's just, it's just there for everybody to, we just, we're just going to impart our opinions on, on how we see, um, you know, the Microsoft technology stack. Cool. All right. Well, um, that's it from me. Um, so yeah, thanks very much for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep. See you next time. See ya.